For our scripture this morning, I would invite you to turn to Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Good morning. Greetings to all of those that are watching or listening at home or wherever you are. Uh, welcome. It's great to be here. Today we start a new series, An Unexpected Jesus. And we will be focusing uh, on the uniqueness of Luke as not only a, a, a writer but a follower of Christ. But we're also going to be uh, looking at, at how he came about putting down the important things that he did. And we're going to look at that in a bit. In the middle of today, today's busyness, uh, we, we get caught up in all kinds of things. And one of the real challenges is that we lose uh, our perspective, that we, we kind of lose the focus at times. And so one of the real questions is, how does God get our attention? How does God help us to see and read and understand more deeply what all is going on? L let me give you a quote that I ran across. It says, the world is too big for us, too much going on, too many crimes, too much violence and excitement. Try as you will, you get behind in the race. It's an incessant strain to keep pace. You still lose ground. Science empties its discoveries in you so fast that you stagger beneath them in hopeless bewilderment. The political world news, uh, political world is news seen so rapidly, you're out of breath trying to keep pace with who's in and who's out. Everything is high pressure. Human nature can't endure much more. That sound current? And that quote actually was in the Atlantic Journal on June 16 of 1833. And if they thought it was that way then, think about what we're dealing with. In all of the noise, we're called to a focus that is very difficult and challenging. I had to think of, of this theme of expecting the unexpected. When I thought about it, I thought, you know, the best analogy I can think of is defensive driving. You heard about this, I'm sure, in, in your driver's ed classes or in driver, any kind of driving school. Talk about driving defensively. If you are a motorcycle rider or ever have been, you know that that is absolutely critical 
to your well-being and to your survival that, that when you're riding, you are not as big as a car. And cars sometimes don't see you or, uh, or even respect you or pay attention and pull out in front, whatever. But every person driving is taught to pay attention to driving defensively. You know what that means? That means that we're taught to anticipate the unexpected. The very thing that shouldn't happen and the very thing that, that I don't want to happen and is not supposed to happen could happen. And if it does, what am I going to do about that? And that, what that demands of us is a level of processing and a level of thinking to where we're always prepared. Scripture tells us to be prepared in season and out of season, which means basically we gear ourselves toward being prepared for a response and for being able to stay on task and stay the course. Everything about the busyness and the crime and the fears and the anxiety and the struggles with mental, emotional health, the struggles with relationships, everything about that is a design to draw us off course. And so when we think about being able to anticipate the unexpected, we need to be able to find times to balance the busyness with the quietness. We need to be able to respond in ways that aren't expected. Let me give you a couple of very quick verses. Matthew 5.11 said, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. That's unexpected. Blessed are you when you do that? That's not the expected response. You have every right, legally, morally, to be angry. And yet, you are blessed because of Jesus. 1 Peter 3.14 says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. And Jesus said in Matthew 5.44, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In James 1.12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So you have this idea that Jesus came with a lot of unanticipated responses and that's what this series is going to be about in studying that and looking at that unexpected in so many ways. But let's, let's focus here, just a brief background, and then I've got a surprise for you this morning. Unanticipated. For you, anyway. Um, let's look at this. The, the main central theme uh, of Luke overall is the, the coming of Jesus as the Messiah, and God's salvation has arrived in the, in the person of Jesus in a different way, a new way. And while on one could say 
on the one hand, it should have been anticipated or expected because of all the prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus coming. It wasn't. It wasn't. And the book of Luke is similar to the other synoptic, what they call synoptic gospels. All of the gospels carry much of the same kinds of themes of why Jesus came and and why uh, and and how he brings a new hope and a new salvation. Um, it is interesting that Luke is an evangelist, a first century Greek physician, and early Christian who who not only wrote the book of Luke, which is one of the four gospels, but also the book of Acts, which is an incredibly wonderful picture we're given into the early church and the early church growth and development. Why is this unexpected coming from Luke? Now you would say, how many of you would say that all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're all written by Jesus' disciples, right? Not so, only two of them were. Matthew and John were two of the 12 disciples. The other two were not. But Mark was not only an evangelist, but he had Judeo-Christian background. He, he basically had, had, had a faith background with the children of Israel and grew up with that orientation. Luke is the only one who didn't even come from a, that kind of faith background. He was Greek. And the credence that that gives to, to, the, uh, uh, to the, the message that he gives and to his calling is that he went against all odds to stand up for the way of Christ. He basically was someone who was probably scorned by his Greek family and friends. Um, he went against the grain in standing up for the gospel call. He became an evangelist and he became someone who saw it as his mission to write these things down, to make an account of not only what he saw, but also what was reported to him by those who saw it. So there was a relationship with the disciples in some way or another in which he was giving credit to the accuracy of the accounts that he was writing. And um, so a very unexpected kind of an authority is the role that, that Luke played. The other thing that we would say um, that is significant is not only that he wrote uh, the, the book of Luke and the book of Acts, but uh, Luke is a, a unique gospel. Why? A couple of things. It's unique in its perspective because uh, it goes beyond the narrating of the ministry of Jesus and widens a perspective to the overall historical purpose and place of the church within it. In other words, he's writing about something that the other gospels don't focus on so much, which is the growth of the church and the purpose of the church and the way the church was exploding and having an impact on its culture, on its politics, on its lifestyle, on its community, on the call of people to live like Jesus lived. 
The other aspect that is distinctly different about Luke is that Luke emphasizes more than any of the other three Gospels. He mentions the special groups of people and individuals that Jesus focused on in his ministry. Who would that mean? The despised ones. The ones that the rest of society look down on or writes them off or shoves them to the side. That is unexpected. Jesus should be coming to the, to the powerful people, the influential people. And Jesus went to the tax collector's house. He met the woman at the well. He ministered to the least likely people. That is an unexpected call for the one who is the son of God, the Messiah. And there's something powerful that Luke saw in that calling. The despised ones. The Samaritans. A hated group among the Jews. And Jesus took care to minister to them. And recognize them. And basically treat them as human beings. To women and children. He gave an emphasis more than any of the other gospels. There are actually ten women mentioned in the book of Luke that are not mentioned in any other gospel place. Significant? I guess we can assess that. But basically the point was that most of the people that were even expecting a Messiah were not expecting this. And the powerful nature of Luke's writing is that he was focused not just on the Savior and salvation and the process of being saved, but that he was focused upon noting and writing down the significance of Jesus' ministry to these less than or least of these people groups. In no other gospel do we find the Lord Jesus in prayer and speaking about prayer nearly as often as in the gospel of Luke, and that focus on prayer is significant. So if you only read the other Gospels, three, there would be significant amount of information, wisdom, and important details that would be missing. And so all of this comes from an unexpected source. Now, you might be saying, why are we receiving this message related to remembering and related to our faith. How is it applicable? Next week, you will have a binder in your mailboxes. I gave you a sneak preview last week. Next week, it will be in there. You can use it to make notes. You can use it as a personal journal. You can use it however you want. But it goes with this series in this way. If we want to grow in our faith, we need to commit a balance of time to be able to meditate on and reflect on what God is doing in the world and what God is doing in our lives and what God is calling us to and what God means, what, what he means by what he says in his word and what he's saying to us as we spend time in prayer and for us to focus on those things. 
So that is why this is such an important thing. Notice, let's go back to the passage at the beginning of Luke. And I want to just draw a couple of notes to this. In verse 1, Luke says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of these things. So what he's saying is, it's important to make an account of these things. And uh, in verse 2, just as they were handed down to us from those who were the first eyewitnesses and servants of the word. What is he saying here? He's saying, pay attention. Note. Write down. And we'll get to that in, in a little later on. But how do we spend time processing I find it interesting that we can watch, we can watch uh, the same TV show, movie, whatever it is. Um, maybe some of you have, have gone to the theater and watched the new release of the old movie Jaws, which leaves you never wanting to go into the water ever again, even your bathtub. Um, it's uh, it's a bit uh, has a bit of scariness to it. Um, we we can we can watch shows over and over again. And and I will just say, and I'm sorry if this is offensive to anybody, um, but I really truly believe it with all my heart. If you have seen one episode of uh, what is it called, the bold and the the beautiful, or the or the restless, or whatever. Whatever any of those, I can't even remember the names, thank good Lord, I don't. Um, But all of those shows that have been on for 30, 40 years, if you've seen one, you've seen them all. They're the same. Same thing, same plot, same everything. And And what you'll leave at the end of every show is knowing that the next show is going to pick up and do the same thing all over again. There seems to never be a resolve in those. And that's not, that's all that is saying is it's easy to get caught up in the loop of information to where we just get brain tired and don't have the energy to stay focused on the things of God. He goes on to say, I too have decided to write an orderly account for you. You've, most of you have probably been in a doctor's office. And have you ever been in there when the doctor, while you're sitting in front of them, pulls out their little thing and, and speaks and records their message into, patient has this and this symptom, uh, do, you know, ordering so-and-so and so-and-so, prescribing this and that. They make a record of everything. Doctors pay attention to details. And they should. And that's why Luke brings that same approach and energy to the writing down of these things. And so the purpose of it is in verse 4. So that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. That's what this is all about. That's what this message is about. How do we know the certainty? How do we focus on something long and strong enough to be able to have it sink in and, and to have it become part of us. Well, I've 
we've enlisted some help this morning to talk, uh, have them t- share their perspectives. And I want to invite Ken and Susan to come up. Uh, Ken and Susan Yoder. And they're going to share some of the ways that they work at that and the ways that they uh, allow the word of God to, to linger and melt in and take root and grow, etc. I accepted Christ as my savior at, at the age of 12, and soon I will be 78, so I've had a few years here of learning things and mistakes along the way. One thing is that after I became a Christian, I started reading my Bible, but I had struggles. <coughs> Being a new Christian, you, you do have struggles in learning and processing, but it seemed like as the years went on, I still was having those same struggles in, in studying the word. And finally, in desperation, one day I was just so upset with myself that I just earnestly prayed to God, whatever it is that's blocking my way from understanding the scriptures, learning what you have for me, please take that blockage or whatever it is away. And thank God it did. He did take it away. Since then, I've been reading the Bible through each year, and uh, sorry, I'm a little nervous. But anyway, um, one of the amazing things is each year when I read those same scriptures again, there's new things open to me, things that that, uh, I know I read it before, but it's being presented to me in a different way. Ken and I have a practice. After breakfast, we go and take our cup of coffee, sit in the living room, and we read the same scripture for the day. Then we sit and and discuss it sometimes if it's, you know, we've gotten a new insight to it. And that's been very special to me because I feel like the Holy Spirit is opening up things to me now that I know I've read before, but I'm able to understand it better. And I would encourage uh, you as a a congregation, if you have a buddy or somebody that you can maybe discuss the same scriptures with, maybe that it will help open up new meanings to you that you hadn't realized before. Susan starts reading her scripture first while I make the coffee and then then I bring coffee in, and uh, so I started reading, and these are the first five verses I read this morning. But mark this, there will be terrible times. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. And as Wes talked about that quote from a century ago, I think it was, uh, uh, from a newspaper. Um, This sounds like today, 
to me, and it's from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. And I would simply um, affirm everything Susan said and, uh, and emphasize that each year we have new discoveries when we read and I'm uh, stuck on reading this physical copy of the Bible and so I know it doesn't change. I mean, I don't go out and buy new translations and, and uh, you know, have uh, new things in, in the physical book I read. So it's the same physical book, but new things are in there. And then one day I came across a quote by Martin Luther that, that shed a little light. And he said one day, long ago, when the Spirit does not open the Scripture, the Scripture is not understood, even though it is read. And I thought about that. That sort of rocked me back on my heels a little bit. And I thought about that. Maybe that explains why I don't understand certain passages when I read them because I'm not ready yet in my heart, in my spirit. And when, I, when the Lord knows I'm ready, then he opens our minds. So I encourage you to read because uh, Pastor Harold, many years back, uh, started a Read the Bible in a Year program and uh, Susan started one year and then I joined her the next, and uh, it's, it's been very, very beneficial. I, I get a little angst every time coming to church when I pass the New Testament Bible church because I consider the whole Bible the Word of God, not just the New Testament, and... Uh, uh, a lot of references in the New Testament point back to the Old Testament, especially if you read those little tiny small font prints, um, prints uh, references why uh, there's a lot of references that Jesus made back to the Old Testament as well. And uh, some of them he even used on the Pharisees and the scribes and so forth. But uh, in terms of interpretation, let's uh, be sure that we open our minds to the Holy Spirit of God, which dwells in us and is trying to get us to see what's in this book. And one more, Ryan Gingrich, uh, come on up, uh, share his perspective on some of these same things in terms of reflecting on the word and um, give us some more insight. Good morning. Reflection and blessings. As I thought about this topic, it came to me the older we get, the more we get to reflect, don't we? 
So a few weeks ago, Doug asked if I would share about reflection and spiritual blessings. So I guess this was his nice way of saying, you're getting old, man. So as I share a few thoughts here today, I really want, I really want it to be words of affirmation for all of us that we all reflect at times, and, and some of us a lot reflect. And we really reflect in a lot of similar ways. And so as I talk here, it, this isn't something that I do. You guys do this too. And so I hope it's really words of affirmation for us. This topic of reflection and blessings, the first thing that came to my mind is that there is a clear relationship between reflecting and growing. So in other words, when I reflect on the past, it definitely allows me to grow for the future. And uh, there's definitely a clear, a, a clear relationship there, reflecting and growing, and then blessings. I would say the question that many of us reflect on as I was kind of thinking about this at different times is that I would ask myself, and I reflect on this a lot, am I living a purpose-driven life? Am I living a purpose-driven life? And as I take time to reflect on my relationship with the Lord, my family uh, relationships, my friend relationships, and my career, it allows me to evaluate that question. Am I living a purpose-driven life? When I take the time to reflect, and like a lot of us do, we reflect, we set new goals, new standards for our life, which, of course, I'm not always successful with. But many times when I do stop and reflect it and set those goals, there's baby steps. There's baby steps of growth. And that reflection, it, that growth really came from reflection. So I got a little simple message, a little story about a little simple message that I reflect on a lot. He doesn't know I'm going to say this, but he's, he's out there in the congregation here. He's, you listen to a lot of his little sayings. He is a very, very, very wise man. And so Art Martin made a comment a few years ago to our Sunday school class that I reflect on quite often. And like I said, he has no idea I'm going to say this, but um, I did take a look and I see that Art's back there today so I'm glad he can hear this let him, let him know that what an impact he had on me it was such a simple yet powerful statement he said life is about relationships and choices the relationships and choices we make and over the years as I've reflected on that statement it really started to become a part of my spiritual thought process do I choose to follow Jesus today? What is my relationship with Jesus today? And you just start to, you do this, I realize when I choose Jesus daily and build a daily relationship with Jesus, that impacts me in all of my other relationships, my thoughts, Everything I do is because of that. 
And so I guess what I'm saying is, when I reflect on these words, relationships and choices, it helps me grow and have a purpose-driven life. A few other examples I would like to share about reflection and how it has allowed Jesus to bless me and my family. I do reflect a lot on inspirational quotes. Um, I reflect a lot on concepts that I learned from my coaches. Chrissy and I, you know, we try to read a devotional every morning. Not always perfect at that, but definitely when we get in a routine, we're much better at it. And we reflect a lot together after what we read a little bit there before we leave for the day. And remember, like I said, I guess before I say this is that these are words of affirmation about reflection that we all reflect. And, and to me, reflection doesn't have to be complicated. So quotes, read devotionals, daily prayer, pastor messages, Wednesday evening discussions, Sunday school discussions, family faith discussions, reading scripture. And I know many of us do this. And that is, like I said, I hope what I'm saying is it's, that it's affirmation of how we reflect. Um, I, I just truly believe that, that come to church, go to Wednesday evening, read scripture, work at the Mennonite Relief Sale, participate in church. When you're doing that, that to me, that, that creates reflection. And, and just being involved, um, that, that to me is... Because if you don't do those things, I don't really don't know what you're reflecting on. At least that's been my case. As, as I've just participated, participated, be involved, do all these activities. Man, it's been great for, for me to reflect. Um, so I just, uh, the point is, I need to participate with Jesus daily. I need to participate to develop reflections and then grow as a result. And then ultimately receive those blessings. So I got one, one last thing here, if you would allow me here. Um, one last point about daily participation and reflection with Jesus. I, I taught uh, uh, the junior high Sunday school class a lot the last two years. My son Carson's not here today, but I'm pretty sure he wants me to be done with that. He's ready to move on from me. Um, that's okay. Um, but that room up there, the junior high room, has the fruits of the Spirit written all over the wall from Galatians 5. You know, so like I said, I was up there a lot the last two years. And I would see these fruits of the Spirit every Sunday for the last two years, seeing it, seeing it. You can say reflect on it, you know, but you're seeing it all the time. And this summer, I read and studied Galatians, which is a good book for me. I know you're probably thinking, well, that's not too long a book. Well... That's why it's a good book for me to read. Um, now, I did read a few other books by Paul as well. And I just kept reflecting more and more on the power of the Holy Spirit. As I read, and as I saw that up there in, the, in, in that classroom. And Ken mentioned uh, Pastor Harold and, as he was talking up here. And, Pastor Harold, I don't know how old I was, I mean, I don't know, 20s or, you know, whatever, but he would always pray, and he would always use the phrase, Jesus, guide us day by day. Guide us day by day. And I'd hear this like five times in a prayer, and I'm like, why 
he keeps saying day by day, guide us day by day. And as I, like I said, grown, reflected on that, what I, what he meant. I think this is what he meant, at least is what it means to me. And as I've studied this and reflected on why he said that, to me it's, I'm a sinner. And my human flesh is sin. This sin is present every day of my life. And the only way to beat it is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I try to every morning, you know, and really make, Holy Spirit, guide me today. Fruits, guide me. I tell you, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. And I know there's so many other examples I can, I can remember. You could share about the Holy Spirit, but obviously we, we need to keep moving on here. Um, I just know when I reflect on the power of the Holy Spirit daily, it has allowed me to grow and experience so many things. So I'll leave with this. Talking about reflection and growth and blessings. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep praying. Keep reading scripture. That allows you to reflect. Come Sunday school class discussions. It's reflection time after you have a, a Sunday school lesson. You reflect on the lesson together. Um, reflect on what tithing means to you. Re reflect, on, reflect on what Jesus can do in your life. And just keep participating in church. I'll just, I just had this written and I'll, I'll leave with this. So let's try to take time to reflect and challenge ourselves to grow and then be ready for all those blessings that we will get every day from Jesus. And that to me is what a purpose-driven life is all about. Thank you so much for the encouragement and the reflections and challenge to us, very clearly a challenge of, of how to allow God to get our attention in the midst of everything going on and all of the things, how do we stay focused? And that's by seeking a purpose-driven life, but a purpose-driven day each day. And I like the imagery of getting up and praying and focusing for that particular day. Uh, I think is a pretty pretty powerful thing. Um, I want to just uh, conclude with talking about a couple of other passages to give confirmation to this. And I want to say, last week we finished up the Revelation series and we saw that John, who was the author of the book of John and also the book of Revelation, uh, in a similar way with Luke, they reflected, they wrote down they were listening for how the Holy Spirit was speaking to them and inspired these writings specifically for the purpose of, of encouraging and, and blessing and challenging and guiding us. So we know from scripture in, in Jeremiah 31, it says this, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it down on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So we need to put 
the word of God and put the word of the Holy Spirit in our minds. That is the deepest form of understanding. That's where wisdom comes from. Is not because you've put in so many hours of reading verses, but you've put in time listening for how the Holy Spirit is speaking to you to apply that. We know from, from the writings of Paul that the minds were an important thing. So somehow, God's got to get our attention before it's going to sink in. Secondly, write it on your hearts. This is our deepest commitment. The heart is considered the, the center of our commitments and our ch- choices, as Ryan was, was talking about. The center of that comes to what we're passionate about. A per- you don't live a purpose-driven life without your heart being devoted to the way of God and to his guidance. Psalm 119 says it this way. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Powerful. Third, not only our minds and our heart, but in 2 Corinthians 3, I want to just share this verse. Uh, Verse 3. You show that you, Paul says, you are a letter from Christ. The result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And so we're challenged to be the letter of Christ to those that we go out to, that those that we have an opportunity to witness to, that those that we have an ability to just demonstrate a lifestyle that is committed to the way of God. Be the gospel. Be the representation of Jesus to others. Just, just love that phrase that it doesn't have to be. We never, we never worship, no matter how much you read the Bible, you never worship or, or are called to worship the Bible. You're called to worship the God of the Bible. You're called to worship the God whose word is contained in the Bible. That's the important thing. And then also a confirmation of what has been shared here. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what the word of God is. That's how powerful it is. So the the fourth thing about this idea of reflection of reflection and meditating on God's word and and meditating with our hearts is that we can discern good from evil and that is why it's so important to be able to hear the spirit of God the holy spirit speaking to us to discern between good and evil um finally so that we might all that we might do all that we can. In Psalm 19, 14, it says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And Joshua 1, 8 says, the book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night 
So that, huh? so that what? So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. It is the power and the strength. It's the source of reminding us who God is to us. And it is the way in which the Holy Spirit speaks to us so that we might go out and live out in very real ways what we say we believe. John 14, 12 and 13, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name. To do the same things that Jesus did? To do something incredible, even greater than what Jesus did? How can that be possible? And in John 15, 15, it says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. I encourage you to use the journal if you need to write it down physically. But even more, may it be a reminder to you to write these things down on your heart, on your mind. There was a recent survey in Discipleship Journal magazine where the readers reported their greatest spiritual challenges. There were nine. Materialism, in in this order. Number one, materialism, pride, self-centeredness, laziness, anger and bitterness were both tied together. Sexual lust, envy, gluttony, and lying. The survey respondents noted that temptations seemed more potent when they neglected their time with God and when tired physically. So we're called to not neglect our time with God, to meditate deeply, to utilize the concept of a Sabbath, that whether you're camping or whether you're at home in your living room, whether you're up at the table in the morning, whether it's a late night reflection, whether you're kneeling by the bed, we're called to make sure that we're spending that time to refocus and to regenerate the living word of God within our lives. And I just want to encourage us this morning that in this series, if we are focused and meditate and reflect, there will be incredibly unexpected things that prompt us. There will be unexpected things we'll be called to do. Unexpected acts of kindness and love that we find ourselves doing because we feel that prompt of the Holy Spirit. There will be unexpected joy, unexpected peace, unexpected things because we are allowing the word of God to be written on the tablets of our hearts. God has been faithful to us. Great is God's faithfulness. I invite Rolene to come up, lead us as we sing this affirmation. God's faithfulness 
is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. And he will encourage us and be with us always.